The Bible reading for today is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 12, but we're actually going to read from verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Right, um, I've, I've heard it said quite often over the last few months, we are living in strange times indeed. And of course, this comment has everything to do with COVID-19 and the, and the new rules and regulations and the new restrictions that we have to live with. And to many of us, it's almost unbelievable how quickly we've been willing to give up our freedoms. And then we add into that mix all of the conspiracy theories and whatnot that are going around and, and thus the often repeated statement, we are living in strange times indeed. But today, we're going to be considering the privilege that we have to live in the time that we do. Never before has there been such great access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never before has the word of God been available for us to read or to listen to in so many different languages. And in our own English language, apparently there's more than 450 different translations of the Bible. Uh, not all of them are particularly good translations, but I'm pretty sure that there's enough good ones that all of us could find three or four that, that we could read. On my own computer at home, I, I think I've got more than a hundred different versions of the Bible. Um, many of those might be in other languages that I don't understand, but they're there nevertheless. But the Word of God is getting out there and it's getting preached um, in ways that it never has before. And even this tiny little church of bush disciples, here we are out in the sticks of Queensland, and every month there are hundreds, sometimes thousands of downloads of the sermons happening. And they're not all happening locally. Most of them actually aren't local. They're happening right across Australia and right across the world. Now, if that's the way that the Word of God is getting out from this tiny little church, Imagine what's happening with the big churches, you know, places where people have actually heard of. Imagine the opportunities that they have before them of getting the gospel out there. We live in a privileged time indeed. We live in the time of salvation. You know, for, for thousands of years, the prophets of old, they look forward to this day. Not even the angels knew when that day was going to come. And the angels now, we're told, that they're watching intently. It's like, I think it's like they're, they're craning their necks from the grandstands trying to get a better view of what's going on. They, they want, wanting to get a better view of who's going to be saved today. 
And, and how is the kingdom of God going to unfold today? And when will Jesus return? When, when will salvation be complete? What a privileged time we live in. And yet so many of us, we just take it all for granted and don't actually consider how privileged we are. Some of us, we might, might have four or five different translations of the Bible on our bookshelf and not one of them ever gets read. I want to begin today by taking us to the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. The Apostle Philip is there on, the, on that road in the desert between Jerusalem and Gaza. And the reason he's there is because an angel has told him that that's where he needs to be. If you ever want to read about this, you'll find it in the book of Acts. And, and Philip noticed coming down the road, there was a rather official looking chap and he's obviously very important because he is riding in a chariot, no less. And it turns out that he was an Ethiopian eunuch. And so straight away, we know he's probably a slave or used to be a slave because most eunuchs back then were. But nevertheless, he, he was a very important person. He was in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia, Candace. Right? So this bloke was to Candace like what Cameron Dick is to Anastasia in Queensland. Right? Maybe not the best analogy, but he was her treasurer. Anyway, he'd come to Jerusalem to worship the God of the Jews. He'd done that, and now he's returning to Ethiopia. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and run beside that chariot for a little while. And so he did. <laughs> and while he's running, trotting along beside the chariot, he overheard this man reading to himself from the prophet Isaiah. And so Philip knew that God was doing something here, right? Because God had said, go to this particular desert place. And then God says, go and stay near that chariot for a while. And then he hears this bloke reading to himself from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And so he knows that this is going to be a God-ordained conversation and there's something important going to happen here but it's only going to happen if the conversation gets started. And so he spoke up. And Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? You can imagine this, can't you? Trotting along beside a chariot. And this poor old Ethiopian, the grand man that he was, said, no, I need someone to explain it to me. And so probably thankfully for Philip, he invited Philip up into his chariot with him. And we're told that he is reading from the prophet Isaiah, and we can find it in Isaiah chapter 53, where it says, like a sheep, he was led to slaughter. And like a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And and this Ethiopian man had, had been pondering this. What does it mean? Who, who, who's the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? And Philip began with that very scripture and he told him about Jesus Christ. And the Ethiopian was saved that day 
and he was baptised. And we suspect it was probably this chap who took the gospel back to Ethiopia with him because the, the church began at quite an early stage in Ethiopia. Now, I've just told you this story because it's a really good demonstration of what Peter is talking about in today's Bible reading. Throughout the whole of the Old Testament, and even with the preaching of John the Baptist, they were prophesying about the coming of Jesus. They were prophesying about what Jesus would do. They were prophesying about the sufferings that Jesus would go through. They were prophesying about the glories that would come after the sufferings. But none of these prophets had the full picture. Right? So, so one prophet would know that, that Jesus would be born of a virgin. Another knew that the Messiah would, would, would be born in Bethlehem. Another knew that he would come out of Egypt. Another knew that he would be called the Son of God. Another knew that he would be called Emmanuel. Another knew that he would be rejected by men. Another knew that he would suffer greatly and that he would be pierced for us. Another knew that he would be hung on a tree. And another knew that he would die. And yet, at the same time, other prophets talked about a king of the Davidic line. They would talk about how through him the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all nations and, and, and how the kingdom of God would be opened up to all nations, even Gentiles, people like you and I, would be welcomed into God's people. And another would talk about how Jesus would, how, how the Christ would come in judgment. And another would talk about how his kingdom would be eternal. Right? So throughout the Old Testament, God's word was coming to the prophets of old. Now, can you imagine how frustrating that would be for them? to have little pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. And you know that the piece that God has given you and the piece that God has given this other prophet and you sort of try to put them all together, but you don't really know what it all means. They prophesied about the grace of God that we now experience. And we're told here in, in Peter that that they searched and they inquired carefully. And in verse 11, he says, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. They were wondering, who, who are we prophesying about? When will he come? Why will he suffer? When will he suffer? And what about the glories that follow his suffering? The prophets couldn't answer those questions. They longed to know, but they didn't know. Not even John the Baptist knew. John the Baptist one time sent his disciples to Jesus with a question, are you the bloke we've been waiting for? And Jesus said, you go back and tell my cousin John that the blind receive their sight. You tell him that the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. You tell him that, that the poor have the good news preached to them and blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. You go back and tell John all those things. He, may, he might work it out. And not even the angels knew. You know, 
some people get very carried away when it comes to angels and, and some people almost worship the angels. And yes, we are created just a little lower than the angels. But the angels aren't the intermediary between us and God any longer. We don't need to pray through the angels. Jesus Christ himself is the intermediary between us and God. We don't need any other go-between. And I don't know if you've ever realised this or not, but you and I have a special privilege that the angels never had. Jesus Christ didn't come to save the angels, but he did come to save us. Jesus didn't die to redeem the angels, but he did die to redeem us. Sinful angels, fallen angels, are doomed to destruction. It is us who have the opportunity for repentance and forgiveness through faith. But the angels, they'd heard the prophecies. In fact, sometimes they were the ones who delivered the prophecies. But until they were told to announce the birth of Jesus, did they even know the date that Jesus would be born? We don't know. But one thing we do know is that they're just as much in the dark as what we are um, over when Jesus is going to return again. We know that Jesus is coming. They know that Jesus is coming, but no one except God the Father knows what day that will be. And they, like us, eagerly await that day, eagerly await to see the glory and the salvation of God being revealed. Last week we we're talking about that. We we're talking about how this is the salvation that we're looking forward to. This is the outcome of our faith. Everything about this life has been preparing us for the salvation of our souls, which is when Jesus is revealed. It's sort of like when it talks about Jesus being revealed, it's sort of like the curtains being pulled back and ta-da, here's Jesus. He is here finally. But we don't know when that day is. And you might say to me, but Michael, how come you can't tell me that? What, what good are you? Well, sorry, the only answer I've got for you is I don't know. And if anyone ever dares to tell you that they do know when Jesus is coming, run a mile from them because they're lying. Not even the angels know. Right up. Jesus Christ reveals himself through his servants. It's always been that way. In this little three-verse passage, we catch a little glimpse of the Godhead. We know, don't we, that, that when Jesus was ministering, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. At his baptism, the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And we know that Jesus told us that he was returning to the Father so that he could send the Holy Spirit to fill us. And we also know that the prophets of old used to prophesy through the power of the Holy Spirit. But here in our reading for today, we discover that this same Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. That's what, that's what Peter calls him, the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ are one and the same. And so when the prophets prophesied about the coming of Christ, 
and when they prophesied about the sufferings of Christ, and when they prophesied about the return of Christ and the glories of Christ, it was through the Spirit of Christ that they prophesied. And so Christ was revealing himself to the prophets. And isn't that what God always does? God reveals himself. What is God like? Well, God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. He said that in John chapter 14. But the thing is, as Christ was revealing himself to the prophets, all of these prophecies are like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle that didn't make up the full picture. And that Ethiopian eunuch, he read the prophecies and he couldn't get the picture. And he came to the position, how am I going to understand it unless someone explains it to me? And that's the same realisation that the prophets came to. They realised that they weren't prophesying for themselves. They were prophesying for a later generation. They were prophesying not for their own generation. They were prophesying for us. So um, for the sake of those who are listening to the recording of this, I'm just going to give a very brief thing on the, what we just learned in the, in the kids' story. Why do we have two eyes instead of just one? It gives us a third dimension. If we're only looking with one eye, we can't tell how far away anything is. And so when the prophets were prophesying, it was like they were looking through a telescope and they see all of these events that were going to happen in the future, but they didn't really know how far away any of them were. So at the same time, they're prophesying about things that were happening in their generation, they're also prophesying about things that would happen when Christ would come. And they're also prophesying about when Christ would return again. And so for them, they came to the conclusion that some of their prophecy was for their generation. But when it came to prophesying about the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow, in verse 12, Peter says, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. Read us. But here's the thing. If all we had today were those same prophecies, it would still be like that same messed up jigsaw puzzle. Just like the Ethiopian needed someone to come along and explain it to him, we need to have it explained to us too. And thank the Lord, he does that. And once again, Jesus Christ reveals himself. How does Christ reveal himself today? How does Jesus put, put all of the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together for us? He reveals himself by his Holy Spirit. He does it through his word, of course, the Bible. But what we're learning in today's reading is that he, the Holy Spirit reveals Christ through preachers of his word. And so speaking about the prophets, Peter says in verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. 
in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So at the risk of sounding a little bit self-promoting, it is my duty to declare to you today the importance of preaching. You know what? Some people think that, you know, preaching, it's all very ho-hum. It's not very exciting. Talking about something that happened a couple of thousand years ago. And sometimes we sort of want us to, oh, we want some fresh prophecies. We want to see some signs and wonders. Essentially what they're saying is we want it to be about us. But I want you to understand that the primary role for us, the primary role for the Christian church is to preach Christ. It's to put the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together so that we don't have to just rely on little pieces of prophecies scattered throughout the Old Testament. It's so that people can understand why Jesus came. It's so that they can understand why Jesus suffered. It's so that we can understand why Jesus is coming again in glory and when is that going to happen and, and what are things going to be like around that time. And, and it's for us to understand that there is going to be a day of judgment. And it is for us to have the opportunity to plead with our generation to repent and to turn their hearts to Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And it is to declare the demand that God makes for our obedience to him and to his word. Which is going to be next week's topic, by the way. Um, next week's reading will start off with the word, therefore. Now, whenever you see the word, therefore, in the Bible, you know that, okay, we've just learnt this today, Therefore, this is important. And next week, we're going to be learning about obedience to God and about how we conduct our lives for him. The primary role of the Christian church is to preach the gospel. It's to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. If overall, my teaching isn't focused on Christ, and isn't focused on salvation, then I've totally lost the plot. Because everything else is just a side issue. That's what's most important. Okay? So we've talked about prophecy and the prophecy of the coming of Jesus and how that was for our age. We've talked about how it was the Spirit of Christ who revealed the coming of Christ. And we talked about how it's the Holy Spirit who continues to work through preachers today to proclaim salvation today. And the final thing that we're going to address today is glory follows suffering. Now, if you're someone who likes to enjoy the easy life, then you're probably not going to like this part of the message very much. But if you are somebody who is suffering, if you're someone who is grieving, 
If you're someone who's going through some pretty horrible and ugly things in your life at the moment, then this is the good news that's going to make your day. Glory follows suffering. The way that Peter structures one particular sentence makes a very strong point, which we probably usually just read over it and don't even notice. Once again, he's talking about the prophets and he says, the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. The glories followed the sufferings. The glories came after the sufferings, but it's not just a matter of chronology. It's not simply a matter of timing. One is dependent on the other. One followed the other in the same way that a road train, one trailer follows another trailer, which follows the prime mover, right? It's not just a matter of timing. It depends on the first. The sufferings of Christ are followed. The sufferings of Christ result in the glories of Christ. And there where it's talking about the glories of Christ, it is a plural. The first, the glory that we're talking about is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the glory of that, gives us confidence in the final glory of the return of Jesus. What an inept, empty, weak, shallow, worldly abomination of the gospel when we seek glory and deny sufferings. The way of the disciples of Christ are meant to be the way of Christ himself. Do you remember from our introduction, Peter is writing to a church who are suffering. They're suffering terribly. They're suffering under the persecutions of Nero. Um, Peter himself is actually in Rome where the sufferings were even greater. And last week we read about how our present suffering is a testing of our faith. And we stand strong in our faith knowing that after suffering comes glory. Suffering is a normal part of Christian life. And he's specifically talking about when Jesus returns. That's when the glory comes. And that's when we obtain the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Glory follows suffering. So let's not be fixated on glory now. You know, some people have a whole theology of glory. We just want to experience the glory now. But the fact of the matter is, the glory that we're waiting for is the glory that comes with the return of Jesus. And the reality is, sometimes life's going to be jolly tough. And sometimes we're going to be persecuted because we follow Jesus. But if you are suffering in your life now, I want to encourage you, don't despair. Keep strong in your faith. 
The day of the Lord is coming. And the Lord will come in his glory. And the faithful disciples of Jesus will share in his glory. We live in a privileged age. The prophets long to see the salvation that we experience. The angels long to see it revealed. And my prayer is that we would be a people who continue to keep the main thing the main thing. And so we would be a people who continue to preach salvation in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privileged time in which we live. Not only has Jesus Christ been revealed through your prophets, but he's been proclaimed through your preachers today. And Lord, we want to thank you for the, for the preachers through whom we heard the gospel of Christ. Lord, help us to never take this special privilege for granted, but help us to stand firm in our faith, proclaiming the good news of Jesus for another generation to hear. And Lord, we thank you for the glory of the resurrection of Jesus. And we look forward to the future glory of when Jesus returns, when he who suffered for our sake will be glorified and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And Lord, we thank you that on that day, we also will share in that glory. In the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.